0: I'm Carol Joyce Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 116. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I am delighted to be sitting across the table with my friend Frankie Beck, and um, he is a really unique, fulfilled young man who I just love to be around, and I just felt like my listeners needed to get to know him. So welcome, Frank.
1: Thank you, Carol. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? How old are you? That kind of thing.
1: Well, I'm 19 years old, and I'm the fourth child out of eight kids. I live in Minnesota. And I've been homeschooled my whole life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and I'm now graduated in at college.
0: Yeah. So, where are you going to school?
1: I go to school at North Idaho College in Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. So, and this is my first year there. Awesome, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yes, Coeur d'Alene, yeah. Idaho. Yeah. yeah.
0: And while you were growing up in the Beck family, we've interviewed your dad and your mom separately on different occasions. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, your childhood. I mean, we're sitting looking here at where you live. Describe where you live. What, what, what's it like here?
1: Yeah, well, I live on uh, Independence Lake, which is just a lake here in, in Minnesota. And we have five acres, and it's pretty much just like a haven. We're surrounded by a bunch of land that the previous owners allow us to use all over. And so my childhood was pretty much just running all over the woods (laughs) and doing school as quickly as I could and then getting out and playing. And that was just what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And my parents really were able to just let me do that, which was Mm -hmm. awesome.
0: Yeah. And you were in some sports, I think, growing up.
1: I wrestled from age like nine to 11 Mm -hmm. Uh, or no. It would be 9 to 13, because I okay. was like first year in high school, and then that first year didn't go so well. And so I decided to take a break and found mm-hmm. blacksmithing, mm-hmm. and then I just left wrestling and went to blacksmithing pretty much for, <laughs> up until now. So people are adjusting their
0: dial right now going, blacksmithing? Did I hear that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about blacksmithing. What what even is that, and what does that look like?
1: Well, blacksmithing is just the process of taking any sort of steel and then heating it up and forging it uh, with a hammer and an anvil into whatever you want. So whether that's a a blade or some sort of ornamental thing for your home. Um, And I just found it through YouTube and then started teaching myself. And then it just grew from there. So when I was about 14, I think, or or 16, I went and took a class finally after like a couple years of just doing it. Yes. And my parents just pushed me to keep doing it. And my mom actually incorporated blacksmithing as a science in my school. And so that could be a part of my school rather than me having to like learn something that I wasn't necessarily super interested in. Right. And so... It just has continued to grow until now I'm actually going to school for welding um, to incorporate into my business, which is what I hope to do.
0: So are you going to be selling product or what, when you say your business? Yeah,
1: my goal is to make fortune fabricated uh, home accessories. So gates and railings, and then like furniture, tables, chairs, couches even. Um, And so work with other companies to build those type of of materials. Wow. So they'd be custom made for your home and then also base products.
0: Right. Yeah. So... You know, in your family, I mean, you you followed your older brother, who is mm-hmm. kind of what I would call a brainiac, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Richard or Henry? Henry. Henry. Well, yes. I mean, no, Richard, but then Henry, he's, he's yes,
1: he's up there as well. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: so two highly academic kids. I mentored Henry when he was in high school um, on classic film, mm-hmm. and um, so your brothers had very strong kind of paths that yes. they, they were walking on and then you came along and and what was it like being the third son after those guys
1: it was if I'm being honest yeah. it was a little tough I, I mean bet. Richard and Henry were very typically smart mm-hmm. so they were very book smart and right. like understood all the problems and I was very much like let's make an imaginary <laughs> land in my head and then go off and play that land mm-hmm. and so it was hard for me to honestly be the third child out mm-hmm. of them and then we have the older sister but so be them and then me who wasn't as I guess book smart I had a lot of common sense and I understood things really well yeah. but that was hard and I don't think I really realized how to learn on my own until I was about 13 years old 14 and mm-hmm. I started to kind of come out of my own and my parents really pushed me to just be okay with how I learned and I mean they tried to do that since I was a child but I was yeah. like no nah, it doesn't count you know I have to do what they do they do yeah and what so the other boys do. but but my parents kept pushing me to do it and eventually it it led to the point where I was able to kind of break away from that and been the most freeing thing honestly in my life is to be able to understand that like i am smart in my own way and it's a different past than most people i mean blacksmithing is a art from like the 1920s and not from now and so uh but it's been really it's been really amazing and freeing so
0: well i mean this the village smithy i mean that's a Mm -hmm. part of history way into the seven 1600s oh yeah you know right yeah I Yeah. i mean blacksmiths have been the Shooing leaders horses. in engineering
1: and and everything from the beginning of time, pretty much. Really, so,
0: tell me more.
1: Well, I mean, the blacksmiths would have created the first blacksmiths would have been people who made like stone tools, technically, because that would have been like the start of it. Yeah. And then, so they made the tools, and then they used those tools to eventually make copper tools. Yes. Then they started forging. And then they mixed, you know, iron and then they would make iron tools. And so blacksmithing just kept going. And so you couldn't really do anything without blacksmithing because somebody had to make the plows or the axes or the nails or the hammers, everything to make all the homes or the equipment to build anything else. So honestly, warfare, exactly. Or armor or swords. And so everything. So the blacksmith really was like a pivotal point for every single society because without them, the society would have never grown.
0: Wow, um,
1: there were people to design and engineer those products, but yeah. they had a blacksmith make them, or and woodworkers. People worked together, but, right? Yeah.
0: So I remember a place in the Bible where it says that that Jonathan and I think Saul were the only people who had swords. I don't know if you okay. noticed this, okay? But I was I was kind of taught that like Israel was not fully in the age of maybe the Iron Age okay. or something, and the Philistines were or mm. something like that, and so there was a discrepancy um, in there, you know, because Goliath even said, you come at me with sticks, mm-hmm. but I, you know, Right, whatever. most likely spears or something that's like that. That's right, yeah. that's right. So, wow, so the history of blacksmithing is the history of civilization.
1: Pretty much, that's how I've always thought about it and heard from a lot of people. And- <sighs> Yeah. The most fascinating thing to me about it is the ability to make the tools to then make the tools and then continue, like make more tools. So you can make little tools to eventually make a hammer to then use that hammer to make something else and then use that product to make. And it's just never ending. I mean, it's like you look on it and there's a never ending wealth of knowledge that you can never can never understand.
0: That is, you know, you're just opening my mind here that is really fascinating so how did you um, feel that homeschool served you as you were trying to find which way your twig was bending hmm. how how was it helpful or not helpful to have been homeschooled in that
1: process that's actually a great question it's something I've thought a lot about because um, there's aspects of homeschooling was like man sometimes it's like the community and things sometimes in homeschooling there's not as much of that but uh, honestly my parents and homeschooling was the savior of my life mm-hmm. because I have done just about everything hands-on. I've done woodworking, trapping, hunting, fishing, uh, primitive type skills uh, like flint napping, blacksmithing, metalworking, welding. So I've done all these types of different hand tools and my parents just let me go in every direction and encouraged me to go in every direction. Um, and I'd work over the summers and then make money to buy equipment to then do it. I mean, I have like equipment to do like 50 different hobbies in my shop. And, and I've now stuck with blacksmithing and that's like the main one, but homeschooling and my parents just really allowed me to be able to like pursue what I wanted. And then naturally found, I find out on my own that I didn't like it. Uh Even if they knew that I wasn't probably going to enjoy it very much, or they weren't sure, they were just like, just go try it. And if you find out you don't like it, then you can, you can move to something else. And it just allowed me to experience it rather than having to fit the mold of yes. like what my brothers did. Yes. Because, you know, there's pressure from my brothers where I see them excelling super well in all the regular book learning. And um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I was I was totally fine at math. I like, didn't have a huge problem in reading. It was always fun and stuff. It wasn't like I had a big um, learning, uh, Academic I Academic issue. You're right. Mm-hmm. It was more mm-hmm. just my interests weren't necessarily in the same as my brothers. And so my parents and I guess just homeschooling allowed me to get my school done and do that and then incorporate my interests into my school. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trapping as my science and biology and hunting as that and, and forging as my metallurgy and by like some different science classes. And so my school was definitely untraditional like or non-traditional oh. than most people, but yes. it it allowed me to have a ton of freedom and fun in my childhood.
0: And so. most parents would be like, Just play the game, do what we tell you, fill in the workbook sheets, whatever. Right. But your parents were very different than that.
1: Yes. My parents were incredibly different. And if I'm I'm being honest, I never took the ACT or SAT. Right. Like ever. Yeah. I took a practice ACT when I was 17. Yeah. And then I just forgot about it. I mean, I've always been not, I guess, against tests, but I just hated that it was Mm -hmm. like, this is who you are. Right. And so my public school friends, and there's nothing wrong with public school, but... I guess, well, different conversation, but you know, but, uh, right, right. everything, everything was just memorize information for a test mm-hmm. and fit the mold and mm-hmm. get into a good college. so You can get a good job. Mm-hmm. And it just made me really sad. Like I was like, I'm not going to do that. I I can't work in an office. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't sit still and not do anything with my hands. I just, it's like impossible for mm-hmm. me to do and you can learn, but yeah, there's just, if you just let, let your child kind of move in the direction they're going, and foster that moving, yes. and like help them to move. Like my parents helped me to to find coal or to drive me somewhere to get a class or to work with other people, and and so they fostered the idea of me trying different things, and it's built up to the point where I'm I have the ability to sell products um, wow. now. So like I've I've started my own business, and that business is slightly on hold just while I'm in college, and mm-hmm. hopefully when I come back from college, I'll be able to start it on the side. But mm-hmm. yeah. So what are you going to be selling?
0: Or what have you sold in the past?
1: Well, mainly what I sold was knives, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. because that was what that was easy for me to make, and it yeah. was quick, and it took for me it took the least amount of learning. Okay. And blacksmithing is just more of a art form, and there's a lot of practice involved, and there is with knife making, but there's just different. It's a different thing. Yes. And so, predominantly, I made like a lot of hunting knives and things, um, and so I'd sell them to friends or other people who wanted them, and. Um, I started in Instagram and then um, sold one or two knives through there. And so I haven't sold a ton, but there's just been interest in my work. Oh, definitely. Um, And And so.
0: Now, and did you build your own forge? Yeah. Okay, so tell me about that.
1: So that uh, went from multiple different things. I started off, I was watching YouTube. So there was this British guy named Alex Steele. Okay. He was. Good name. Yes, it is a very good name (laughs) for a (laughs) blacksmith. His father was a woodworker, coincidentally, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But. So he had this forge and he had a video on how to make it. So I was like, oh, well, Alex Steele is like the best blacksmith in the world. Yeah. I've come to learn not true, but he's very good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's in the top edge. He's in the top edge. But so I built exactly his forge, Mm -hmm. which was just this rectangle. And it, it like went from there. And then as I went and learned from other people and I learned about how to forge my own, I just realized what shapes were the best. And so now I built a... Um, it's like a half dome. If you can imagine, the sun was cut in half, you know, Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's laying on its flat side. Okay. And then it has like two inches thick of uh, what's called refractory. And it's yes. just a kale wool, which is like an insulator. Okay. If you have a wood burning stove, that's like what's inside pretty yeah. much. Yes. And so it's two inches of that. And then I have propane burners coming in the side. And so propane comes in and you light it and then uh. oxygen and propane mix in it creates this, this heat source. Is that
0: what the big propane tank is over there?
1: No, that is my, my family's house propane because we don't have natural gas, but mine is like a hundred pound propane tank that you, you go to the store and you get filled up. Got it. Um, But eventually I'd love to run off of something like that because you never have to fill it up very often. Right. So,
0: so what about shoeing horses? Is that something that would be part of your destiny
1: I personally don't think so. Okay. Uh, mainly the reason is like my body and how, Terrible it is on your body. Shoeing oh. horses, a lot of people just have terrible backs from it, because oh. um, you're, you're bending over all day over the... and you're oh. shooing horses. And two, it's just a different field. So yes. shoeing is farriers, yes. like a farrier work. Right? Yeah. And so you have to go to school. You don't have to most of the time. You go to school for that. Oh. And I, I love horses and I love animals, but I'm just not really interested in doing that all day. Got it. Um, for the rest, not even. I hate saying for the rest of my life because I don't you know, know where when... I'll be in ten years. But you know, that's how you think about it. So. So
0: you enjoy the creative um design aspect mm-hmm. of your work.
1: Yeah, I enjoy the ornamental iron work is, uh-huh. is what I what I enjoy. There's a a man named Samuel Yellen. Yes. Uh and he was an incredible iron worker in like 1919. Okay. Um it was I think it was like nineteen ten to nineteen fifty was his, his business. Okay. And so he made gates and railings. Yes. He built gates for like the New York Bank, like oh. all these places. Um and the gates weighed fourteen tons. What? Yeah, and they are made completely by hand with hand tools, no welding. It's all like forged together. No. And so that's like the stuff that I'm interested in (gasps) is bringing that and mixing it with welding nowadays to make a effective and like producible product and like thing for somebody that gives the effect of that type of that type of uh, design right, and artistic... Right, beauty. Right, exactly.
0: Right, so kind of the Art Nouveau period mm-hmm. that he was creating these... Yeah, in Chicago, where I have lived, okay. a lot of the buildings have exquisite ironwork. Right. And it's an Art Nouveau, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. And, you know, some of the buildings are just world famous. Yeah. So I wonder if he did a lot of that
1: work. It's possible. I think he went pretty much all over the country I doing bet. work. I think at... Uh, I have a book about him, and at the end of his career, like at the height of his business, Mm. he had like over a hundred employees. What? um, In this in this blacksmith, he was like a how. a Building that was like four stories tall, and they had like a blacksmith shop and then a metal shop, and they would just have different stages. It was really incredible stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I always tell my parents I was born a hundred years too late. I know my father always said that
0: about me. (laughs) I know we love that, that the beautiful art forms. Well, and the irony is, of course, is that your mom is an artist, right? So you were raised with an appreciation for beauty Mm -hmm. and um, just you know that. That fulfillment of working with your hands like you said and what that can look like and what that means. Mm -hmm. Wow. So if you were talking to parents um, listening to this, what kind of advice would you give to them if they have a little Frankie grown up in their house who maybe doesn't march to the same beat as maybe some of the other kids, but maybe they march to an even more
1: lovely beat you just don't know it yet yeah
0: how would you guide them
1: honestly my biggest thing would be like don't force your child into something that they're not like fit into or that's something that they really just don't aren't don't have a ton of interest in Mm -hmm. now there's basic things that they can learn like it's good to learn math and writing and reading and all these things but keep that going but allow like look at them and study them and understand their interests and their desires Mm -hmm. um and really what the Lord has made them for Mm. because everybody has their own talent. Not everyone's meant to do blacksmithing. Some people are meant to work more in an office or do some sort of job like that, but just kind of watch that and be able to understand and see what they do with their free time and and foster that and build that into your own school. Because that's Mm. the beauty of homeschooling. There's no one telling you that I mean, there's basic things you have to follow, but there's no one telling you that you can't have blacksmithing as your science or you can't have woodworking as your science or painting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of people who have just been pushed away from their artistic ability because of having to fit a mold of of society and what's happening. And it makes me really sad because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that and and get basic schooling. So my biggest thing would be not to force them into something, but to foster their desires and their... um, experiences and skills into something that maybe blooms Mm. and if it doesn't it's not a loss like don't put pressure on them to be like if you don't do this or if you maybe buy them a piece of equipment to start their journey don't be like if you don't use this you're gonna be in trouble because we spent this money on it yeah because that makes the child be like okay now i have to be an artist yeah rather than being like oh i'm gonna just i'm gonna try painting and in five days i'm like I really don't like painting, Yes. then that's okay. Yes. And then they move on to something else, especially if they're young.
0: Well, because that's all part of the discernment process, mm-hmm. right? You have to try things and there's going to be some losses in, in the journey. Yeah. But if you don't try anything, you're just stuck like a robot
1: sitting yeah. there. And even, I, w- I would agree 100%, and even, especially for kids who are like 17, 18, going into that college, quote, college year or college yes. time. Yes, yes. I am, I'm going into college, so I'll 19 and I will graduate when I'm 21 turning 22. Mm -hmm. And so, but my parents had me do as my senior year of high school, uh, a gap year Mm because I was done with all my regular schooling for everybody. And they were just like, yeah, just go do this. And I went and took classes from different bladesmiths and learned from them and visited different people and just hung out with some friends and Mm -hmm. um, worked a little bit. And I would, if your child isn't like set, like, oh yes, this is what I want to do. And I want to go try college, which is totally fine. Right. if they want to do that, that's their path. But if, if you have a kid who's like, I don't really know if I want to go to college or like I, a business degree isn't really what I want or I, I'm not sure. Have them take a gap year or a gap six months mm-hmm. and get a job or go experience mm-hmm. something. And they don't need to sit around. Like I'm just not saying you should let your child sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. My parents had strict – not strict but guidelines for my gap year. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just sit around the house. Or you're going to be doing stuff and fostering your skills and working in blacksmithing and we're going to have like a plan. But you can – Kind of a year off. Yeah. And it was so helpful for me to just mm-hmm. understand um, kind of myself better and where I wanted to go. Yeah. And where the Lord was taking me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helped me to just be less stressed about like having to figure out something for my life.
0: And one of those stages that you went through was working at Coldwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was that part of your gap year?
1: That was part of my gap year. It was kind of a last minute, th- like we were looking for some sort of ministry because I really wanted to do that or to work at some sort of camp. Yes. And we called uh, Kevin yeah. and we were like, hey, is there anything I can do? And he was like, yeah, this service team opened up. And that was that was by far the biggest growth in my relationship with the Lord that I've um. ever had in my life. And <sighs> wow. it... Um. It's like I can't imagine going to school without having gone there because I'd probably have fallen into a lot of worse things because my school isn't a Christian school. Right. Uh, And so there's a lot of partying and people just hanging out and hooking up and stuff. But going to cold water and just kind of learning what an actual relationship with Christ meant Mm. and how I didn't have to be in control of everything, but I could just kind of let him take control helped me to really know that like Christ is what I wanted for my life mm. and that is what I was going to put my focus in and then going to college it made it so easy and I have actually I mean this is an incredible praise but my roommate became a Christian <laughs> just recently <laughs> no way yeah uh yeah oh. so I started asking him to come to church with me and so he started oh. coming to young adults and we started talking about it and then just like a couple weeks ago he he went out to dinner with my uh our like youth group leader yeah young adult leader yeah. and uh he Gave his, gave life, his to life to the, the Lord, Lord. And, and so you
0: were so much a part of that, Frankie.
1: Yeah, which is incredible because I never thought that would have ever been something I would have been done. And I'm by no means trying to brag at all. It's just, of course, you're it's not. Just, it, all
0: glory to God. Right,
1: exactly. But, but like, you were I the never right would have been
0: at the right place. Yeah,
1: and I never would have been that confident in my faith had I not gone to Coldwater. Yeah.
0: Um, Talk about the service team and what what does that explain? What that is and what did you do?
1: Yeah, so the service team when I went was about seven guys, okay. uh, and we. We paid some money and then we went to Coldwater um, and not a lot of money, but we went to Coldwater and we just worked for them for five weeks. Okay. And then out of it, we, were, we got a nine-day trip to the Boundary Waters. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we, all of us guys oh. went with our leader, um, John, had and, which who is now actually a full-time guy there. Yeah. And so we went with him for nine days into the Boundary Waters together. Uh, uh-huh. To learn and grow, and that was where most of the learning happened because we had a we had a twenty five hour solo time of like fasting and being on like island by ourselves, yeah, and that was where I learned that like I really never trusted the Lord, and I uh-huh. just needed to put my trust in him, so but the service team pretty much was there to help them do projects that they didn 't have time yes. to do yeah, so um, what did you guys do? We built rock wall steps, we helped build tables for the inside of the kitchen uh-huh. I converted a uh, Shipping container yeah. into with this other kid into a uh, food storage area, so nice. we like walled it in and insulated the outside, yes. uh, and then we actually built our own home. So we <laughs> we like the first okay. like the first couple days was us going out into the this clearing that they had set up for us or this area of the woods, yeah. and we cleared all the brush and cleared some trees, and then we put a platform up and leveled it, and then we put our tarp on that platform, <laughs> uh, and so that's where we lived. We we lived in a a wall tent for like a twenty by twenty wall tent for five weeks together with in and stuff. And it was an incredible time. And so most of the stuff we did was like blazing trails, helping with cleanup and cooking every once in a while. Um, and then just like building stuff for them and yeah. cleaning, making sure they have like the celebratory dinners. Every time yes. they come back, we would help cook all those. Oh yeah. You cooked so. for me when
0: I went to go get my granddaughter and yeah. you were, smiling your your smile was so big it wrapped around the back of your head you were like in your element weren't yeah you? it was it you was a loved. blast it. i love it up
1: there i, know. I love it grammar is one of my favorite places in the world i know so
0: i know well this has been such a joy i can't even tell you and your natural humility before we started recording of you're not really sure you had anything to say but you have so much to say <laughs> oh and thank you i i just loved being up at uh cold water when you're up there, you just, you just radiate joy, Frankie. You really do.
1: Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: So you want to close us in prayer and pray for these families that might be listening? And I would love to. Yeah. You might be raising a future Frankie.
1: <laughs> I hope not for their, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh. uh, dear Lord, I just thank you for uh, Carol and her willingness to share this with the people around this country and the world. And I just thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak to parents and families who are listening. And I pray that you would just help them to understand that their child doesn't have to fit a specific mold. Um, Lord, you, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, and that is different things for each child. And so I pray that you would just help these parents to foster their children in the way that they should go and the way that you are pulling them, and uh, that you would just help them to have a wonderful life and live for you no matter what. In Jesus' name,
0: mm, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Frankie. You're welcome. You're amazing. (laughs) And thank you, listeners, for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I have a special request. Would you send a Homeschool Made Simple episode to a friend? Any episode. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember... Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings! This is the final episode of Season 3. I'll be back for Season 4 at the beginning of July. Blessings!